oh, last week I unplugged the whole system from the wall <laughs> mid-conversation. <laughs> like, it's... I have had... I don't believe in the actual Mercury retrograde thing. I was just goofing around. But, like, yeah, it's it was, been a rough month. Mm-hmm. And I have never had as much trouble as I have had yeah. technically this... Oh, God. That's anyway. so funny that you said that because I've had so many people who are trying to explain all of my recent problems to me by Mercury being in retrograde. And I'm like, uh-huh. I don't believe in that shit. And yet everybody else seems to know the problem. Like- I mean, it's a great thing. <laughs> It's great to have a scapegoat. Yeah. And yeah. especially if a scapegoat is a planet that can't speak for itself. That's true. Yeah, yes, that is very well true. Said. Welcome to the Hybrid Pub Scout Podcast with me, Emily Einelander. And me, Corinne Pulaski. Hello! (laughs) We are mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing, and today we have Frances Kingsley on. Say hi! Hello! (laughs) That's the best hi. Yeah, that's the best hi we've gotten so far. She's really happy to be here. I am! (laughs) We're happy she's here too. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Yes. All right, so I'm going to read your bio. Yes. That I have compiled, um, both from you and from your book. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bio. It's a work in progress bio. I like it. I like it. I like um, it too. I like it when people talk about like their, their craft and their bio. Yeah. You know, the things that they care about, not just like, I went to this college Uh and I like threw myself into the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) I like (laughs) I guess that means part of so many bios. (laughs) I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It probably is. I I love it. Well, good. I have like no memory of what I wrote for my bio, so I'm interested. All right. Let's hear. (laughs) Frances Kingsley is an indie author, a writer of strange worlds and a romantic at heart. She loves books about heroines that prove you can be vulnerable and strong at the same time. Mystical creatures, magical kingdoms, and of course, swoonworthy heroes. She's got two reverse harem series, one fantasy about a lost kingdom of unicorn shifters, and one contemporary rom-com about a girl who inherits a bakery in England. Also, her cats are named John Ralphia and Mona Lisa, <laughs> who I'm assuming are the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> the worst cats. So the worst. <laughs> Is that why you named them that? Yes, because they are the worst. <laughs> absolutely um yeah that's that's pretty good yeah that's it i think that covers it yeah 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 well unicorns creatures hot men yeah what more do you need the end i nothing (laughs) really yeah (laughs) i mean baked goods yes we almost forgot plenty of that we also need that yeah all right well let's let's just get in there i guess let's do it let's yeah let's chat all right. So you you've mentioned that you have um, had experience with both traditional and indie publishing, which uh, perfect, right? That's what I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally like when I saw your post um, asking if anybody wanted to be on your show, and I read about what your podcast was about. I immediately thought. Yeah, that's totally like my journey completely is bridging the gap because I do like I am Francis Kingsley. That's that's, you know, who my indie published name is. But I have a whole other secret identity as a traditionally published author. And so I am back and forth between both worlds. I am a hybrid author. Ah, we'll never tell. Thank no. You. Well, I I always think hybrid sounds so like scientific. I almost want it to be like a chimera author. I think that sounds oh, better. Oh, I love that. Yeah, also, for me, there's kind of an element of hybrid that sounds almost unpopular opinion. Kind of, sounds kind of scammy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, hybrid means I'm going to just tell you you're pretty and you can do whatever you want <laughs> and then take your money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. best of both worlds or like mm-hmm. a Prius or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. A scammy, scammy Prius. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yep. Something about it. I just don't trust. Yeah. <laughs> so let's it's go like... with Chimera from now on. Yes. All right. So she's a, a Chimera author. Um, so 
what do you like about each of them and what don't you like? Well, okay, so I'm going to start with traditional publishing because that's where I started first. That's where I think that's where my heart still is in a lot of ways. Um, it's very romantic. It, well, it is. Um, everything's high stakes in my life. It just has to be. Uh, I really love traditional publishing. Um, I, I love the writer that it's made me into. I, I think I got as far as I could go before I had, before I went through like the gauntlet of traditional publishing. And I call it that because it is brutal. It can be. Mm. If you have a really good editor, it can be like the best and worst thing for your writing. Like the most amazing, like an MFA program, you know, um, and that's your career. And so I, like the books that I'm able to write traditionally are just it, it, like traditional publishing has gotten the very best out of me craft wise. And I love that. I love that I can go to a bookstore and see, sorry, I'm just rambling. You can stop me. No, no, no. I was just, I was saying that's great. Yeah. yeah. Great. Because um, I mean, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to stagnate. Nobody does. I mean, no. if, if you wanted to just go in and make money, you'd be doing something else. Yeah. Uh, you'd buy a lottery ticket I think probably (laughs) like you'd have more more of a a greater chance of success yeah 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 it's so dark (laughs) but true but true let's go there ladies let's just go there um bring us there yeah I know you're into dark romance (laughs) well I yeah we'll we'll get to that later um yeah I also really love with traditional publishing I it's been my dream since I was a, a tiny little maggot to go into the bookstore and see <laughs> my books on the shelf. Like that is, and I have been very lucky to be able to do that. You can walk into mm-hmm. any Barnes and Noble and one of my books might be on the shelf and that's awesome. Um, I love, uh, I mean, it's more, more than anything, I think it's validation and I'll just say that. Like Absolutely. I yeah. love to have my ego stroked by good reviews, by mm-hmm. an entire team of uh, my publisher who are all making me look good. <laughs> like right. that feels really good. And, um, there's chances to win, you know, literary awards and, and other accolades and have readers reach out. I'm not really somebody who writes for readers, so that doesn't really do it so much for me. But it's kind of nice to be like, oh, like somebody says I'm their favorite author. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and there's there's a, a an element when when I talk to like people who are very self-publishing is the way to go. I don't understand why anybody does anything different. Like there are right. those people, and yeah. it's it can be hard to explain that um, some people do want prestige. Yeah, you know? there's an element of it that is a bit romantic, a bit mm-hmm. like unattached to money. And yeah. like, it's just like, I want to, you, you know, since yeah. you're a maggot, you have been dreaming of this <laughs> yes. thing. Right, yeah, right. absolutely. I prefer larva. But, <laughs> but that's only because I just met you. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, isn't it larva first and then maggot? So maybe oh. maggot is like ages three to five. I didn't realize oh, maggot was a technical term. I thought it was a derogatory term for larva. Uh- <laughs> Well, I think that probably works too, judging by the child that I was. That's pretty accurate. So that's right. perfect. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that validation and that prestige and that, that desire to like conquer the world, you can't put a price tag on that. If I could buy it, I would save up and buy it. And I can't. So instead, I go through traditional publishing. <laughs> like if there was an yeah. easier way, again, I would find it and do that instead. But um, that's just what I've always wanted is to just completely rule the world through my writing and traditional publishing is I feel like kind of how you do that I mean another pro to traditional publishing is um it it shapes it helps shape our culture um Mm -hmm. you look at books that are taught in schools books that are being made into movies with some like exceptions I'm not going to overgeneralize and say it's all traditional but these are the books that are being talked about and these are the books that are influencing us and and it's really cool to be a part of that yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would, uh, there's a part of me that would f- be very worried about a self-published author who is, who is getting their book option for movies, et cetera, because I worry that they don't have representation who will like yeah. look out for them. So that, that's another plus if you do get big. And that, yeah. I think that's probably why, you know, Twilight and Fifty Shades, mm-hmm. like it was wise for them to go from self to to uh um, traditional traditional because then they had people looking out for them Mm -hmm. you know yeah so 
there's that as well. So it's like if you do get big, you need the people there to make sure that you're not getting screwed over. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But what don't you like about traditional? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, like any any uh any good relationship, there's ups and there's downs. Mm-hmm. Um I am continually frustrated with traditional publishing and the lack of transparency for authors. Oh god. What, yeah. You mm-hmm. you mentioned yep. um, you know, that that there's a, a structure there for authors to have some protection, and that's true to a point, but like I cannot even tell you how many author friends that I have who don't know very basics about publishing and about their own book in within their publisher's sort of ecosystem. They don't mm-hmm. have publicists assigned to them. It, I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy. It's, um, it, and I think, well, I know that publishers benefit from having authors be sort of in the dark, you know, yeah. um, we don't. It's way easier. We yeah. we don't know how much everybody is making. We don't know how who's earning out advances, who's getting royalties, who paid for their own book tour and whose publisher sent them. We don't know. Like, we just have no idea. So mm-hmm. it's really refreshing to see there's a, a handful of authors who are being extremely transparent about such things online. And it's great. And, you know, I always just lap that shit up because I just have no idea. Um, and it's, it, it has meant that I've, I've gathered like a small pool of, of, um, traditionally published authors who are now very good friends of mine who I can trust, who we can say, Hey, you know, this publisher is offering me this much. Does that sound ballpark fair? Like you just have no idea. There's no, um, there's no infrastructure to protect authors. We're all just kind of on our own. And the idea is that you have an agent who helps and that's Mm -hmm. great, but only as far as your agent knows what's going on, which might not be very much, you know? Right. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's scary that way. And let's talk about the money in traditional publishing. Please. I've just, I've seen all those articles about how badly authors are getting paid mm -hmm. now and it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to be overdramatic. It's just really depressing and tragic that people, you know, I I was reading, oh God, I forgot what her name was, but she had a book about a restaurant. Um, she was a restaurant person and it was this big award-winning book and um, she was a mail carrier because she just stopped making money yeah. and she didn't have a big enough advance and like she didn't get more books because they were like, oh, well, it was good, but eh. yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was a mail carrier mm-hmm. and everybody yeah. was like, oh, why are you complaining so much in this article? And it's yeah. like, uh, I had this, you know, we had this dream that it's like, oh, I'm going to be an author right. and then that's going to be my job and it's not going to fall apart. And then it's kind of like get kind of kicked to the curb mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. some ways. Yeah. And I have conflicting thoughts about this because I, uh, most authors that I know do have day jobs and they just kind of know that they always will because yeah. the structure, the structure of publishing is that it is not, um, consistent and oh, that's sure. good. You know, that's good because that means if you're raking it in, there's no sort of cap on you. So it, so it could be a very good thing that it, that there's no sort of, um, like, Oh, what do you call, not regulation, but like, there's no sort of like consistency. You're not paid every week, you know? Yeah, um, sure. which is good. Cause that means the sky's the limit, but then that means like you, the, you don't, the bottom the f- of the sea is also <laughs> the limit <laughs> and it will open up beneath you and sink right. you down even further. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I really like what Elizabeth Gilbert says in her book, big magic. Mm-hmm. I love that book. You may have mixed feelings about Elizabeth Gilbert herself, but she talks about how, well, yeah. Problematic um, fave. It's fine. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I just, um, she, she has this whole section where she talks about how when she was younger, she made this vow that she would never ask her art to support her. She would always work to support it. And if it mm-hmm. carried her along sometimes, isn't that like amazing and beautiful? Yeah. 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 It that's is. a good way to think of it. It is. But, but then on the other hand, on a very pragmatic hand, mm-hmm. um, so the right hand, um, <laughs> the pragmatic hand. That, for, for me, that is the pragmatic hand. Okay. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, like, what a great way for publishers to be like, see, you all need to keep day jobs because this is just a fun little side hobby for you. This isn't, yes. this isn't work. This mm-hmm. is fun. Right. And I even struggle with qualifying my work as work because it's fun for me. Uh-huh. Like, 
even at its worst, even on my worst writing days, I'd still rather do this than anything else. And so it sometimes feels weird to think of it like a job and to think of it like something that I deserve to be paid, you know, at least a living wage to do. And part of that too, if you zoom back even further and think, well, what is the function of artists, writers, entertainers in our our culture. It's not like I'm a doctor, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. literally saving lives, but like, damn it, I serve a purpose. I yeah. make mm-hmm. pretty entertaining things for you. You might be and saving somebody's life. Yeah, you never exactly. Know. Well, th- and that's true. Like, mm-hmm. but, but even so, like, I, I don't want to think about a society where we don't have um, court gestures. And that right. doesn't mean that yes. I don't deserve to make as much as the policeman or the teacher or whatever. So mm-hmm. that everybody means, deserves to make good money. That's true. That's like exactly just because right. you're getting yours doesn't mean they don't get theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I resent the idea that, um, writers or other artists are just kind of like diddling with their art in the corner. Like I work my ass off and I have for a decade mm-hmm. and beyond to hone my craft. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. It's, it's my skill. It's my yeah. craft. Like yeah. I, you know, anyway, sorry, that was very, um, like your unions of you the like world <laughs> unite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, I, I just have to like hold myself back from talking about David Graeber again, but yeah, everyone who listens exactly to this. That's exactly what knows. I thought of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> everyone go back and listen to uh, episode 17. Yes. Jahed moment. Yeah. We talk about it in depth. Yeah. Um, okay. So now you can please talk about indie and your yes. experience with that. Yes. Please. Okay. So I will say a caveat, which is that I'm still very new to indie. Um, How I've new? Only... When did you start? Well, like November of last year. Hey, cool. <laughs> like very, very new. Um, but well, I will say well, we we're new podcasters. Yeah, so that's, that's true. Okay, we're well then, new. good. So we're then on the same it. level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, um, but I will say, like when I when I decide to do something, I dive in. So it was like from like November on, it's been all day, every day, learning as much as I can. So. What's your sign? Pisces. Oh, uh, okay. yeah. When's your birthday? Is it like right now? Yeah. It's like tomorrow. Yay! <laughs> Happy birthday! Happy birthday. <laughs> I actually hate birthdays. Oh, I, yeah. I, Can we take it back? Well, Sorry. no, it's fine. I, I, she I accept it. your things. Yeah, that's true. I just feel a lot of pressure every year that goes by to, like, get shit done. And so every year my birthday feels like – it's like New Year's, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh my God. Yeah, a bunch of resolutions. Yeah, and... like, what, what, is, what is the year 32 going to be like for me or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Right. And then, like, I'm a mom and a wife, and so then there's pressure to, like, have fun on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Even Performatively. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You get it. You understand. Yeah. Um, anyway, Pisces. What were we saying? Oh, We indie. were saying okay. that you, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Um, I, you dive I, into things hard, I is do. what you were saying. Like a fish. I do dive in. Like a fish. Yeah. Like a fish. Ah. Yeah. Like two fish. Yeah. Yes. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so far... Uh, some of the extreme pros that I found about the indie model of publishing um, is mas- mostly about production speed and production, just production in general, I'll say. Um, I have always been a very, very fast writer, and I've always been too fast for traditional. It's been um, <laughs> it's been the albatross around my neck ever since I signed my first contract, trying to get um, the people around me to move faster and let me submit more manuscripts. Indie, that doesn't matter. Like I've put up since January 18th, I've put up, I just put up my sixth book. Oh my God. So I'm able to get them out and get them up way faster than traditional will let me. And I say, I say, let me because, you know, it's my career and I'm steering the ship and all that, but it, but it's not ultimately up to me, you know, and they're working on other projects and yeah, exactly. It takes 18 to 24 months Mm -hmm. for a book to come out after I sign with them, you know? Um, so, uh, so I really like that about indie. I like the, that that means that you can hop on a trend right away. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can't really do that in traditional. You're always a little bit behind (laughs) your eyes all like went wide. Like, oh Oh, God, you know this. Yeah. The, the constant like, oh, this is popular right now. That means it's not going to be popular by the time it comes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, and then the, the wisdom in traditional is we'll stop chasing trends, you know, just right, right from your heart. Like Uh why are you chasing, chasing trends? Well, some people want to make money. So, (laughs) you know, yeah. Um, I like, so I love that you can write tomorrow, that there is a very 
distinctive market that you can find in indie for your genre or niche or whatever weird shit you're into that you can find and research and and quite write. literally weird shit you're yeah. into. I do mean that. And I don't mean just in romance. Like every genre has their own weird shit that you were like, what? I had no idea that that was a thing, but there probably is a thing. Um, this is why so I, I love l- talking to like indie pub- like writers because there's I, I get to find out what the weird thing is. <laughs> It's so much fun. Uh, um, yeah, my mind has definitely been blown open the last couple months yeah. researching. It's like all I didn't sorts know that things. was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, what are what are some of the weirdest things that you've seen? Oh God! In your okay, research? well, Yay. is this is this um, this is like a not safe for work? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. I'm okay. explicit. Yeah, even if they're Great. not. <laughs> okay, good. So um, when I first started, I actually thought, well, I'll write erotica. I could bang out no pun intended like yeah. you know a short a day and just put it up and yeah um, that's what it's so, yeah I, I know a lot of people who think that mm-hmm. yeah well and I guess for a long time that was the conventional wisdom and oh. and actually that's what I did under a whole other pen name just um with short erotica pieces to to practice basically uploading mm-hmm. onto the platform that's and smart you know because a well, lot of people get hung up on the technological side of things and didn't realize yeah. it was gonna be a problem yeah, well, and then um, to just not feel attached to, I'm not going to feel attached to, like, uh, a s- fodder for masturbation that I wrote. That's Like, I just am not, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like, not- this belongs to you now, masturbators. <laughs> yes, here you go. It's no longer mine. This Authorial is not. The real intent isn't a thing here. <laughs> no, it is It is not my great masterpiece. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it might be. I don't know. Uh, so I did that for a while, and that was great. Um, but I... I quickly realized, and maybe people will correct me, but I, um, the way that you can have some success making a living doing erotica now is going into the more niche and sub niche type things. So things like human cow, do you know of this? No. Do you know of human cow? No. So it's, it's basically lactation porn, but it's, oh. but it's, but okay, but beyond that, you create a story wherein the woman or somebody is part of some sort of factory or like um, chosen to be a breeder slash human cow. It's actually Whoa. usually abbreviated Hugh Cow, like H U Cow. Sounds cow. like a adorable cartoon <laughs> character that quickly goes dark. Hugh Cow, right? So uh, my name's Hugh Cow. Yeah. Why's everybody looking at me like that? Oh, God. Is it because you love me? <laughs> it's definitely not that. No, <laughs> I was going to say, they love you in a fashion, Hugh Cow, in their own I'll fucked up it. way. I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Well, that, and then I know you know about dinosaur porn and, yes. and yeah. or dinosaur erotica and Bigfoot erotica and, um, which is fine. Like, it's all fine. And I can see, I, I don't want to say I can see the appeal, but I can see... Not the appeal, because I, I, but I can see how that's a thing. Like mm-hmm, I can see, sure. um, but like I don't know. I had a I had a hard time with like the pseudo incest stuff. I just yeah. was like, well, yeah. I don't know if I can get into that kind of a niche. Yeah, that Pornhub map ruined my my. Oh life. god, that was so <laughs> bad. It's like wow. Everybody's really into incest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, horrible. So things like that, and there's other things like. Um, I don't know the, the feeder. Wait, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's old as time. Is, that, is it? Foot fetish? Do you know about no, this? Feeder, okay. feeder, feeder, what feeder gainer. I don't know what that is. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Amish country. I don't know about these. Google things. it. Okay, I will. Okay. <laughs> Google it carefully. <laughs> um, Google it not on the video. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Gotcha. Again, totally fine for anybody who likes to read it or write it. It just mm-hmm. was a little too niche for me to I, – and I mostly was thinking, how could I write this over and over and over? I don't know if there's enough for me. I, you know, Maybe I could write it five, ten times, but then after that I might be really burned out on it. And I try very hard not to get burned out. Yeah. Um, Good. So um, – I don't know what led us down that fun. Oh, that, that's how you started path. indie. Yeah, that's you, how it started. You were writing yeah, really true. quickly yeah. from November. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So writing really quickly, that's great. The money, obviously, in indie, it comes a lot faster. I don't think we talked about um, payout structures for traditional, but they mm-hmm. suck. Yes. They yes. suck, mm-hmm. as you guys know. Uh-huh. Um, so 
if you get, if you are lucky enough to get a six figure deal in traditional publishing, that does not mean you get a hundred thousand dollars right off the bat. That's, that's first of all, your agent gets 15%. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you better squirrel away 30% for taxes or else you're going to be very, very sad. Um, and then you get, it's divided. You get a portion when you sign your contract, which for me, my contracts always come maybe six months after the first, after like the deal is made. Mm-hmm. That's six, six months, six that's, months that's, later. That's that much farther than, yeah, yes. well, than what we do. So, yeah. yeah. Are you guys faster? Well, and yeah. yeah. And, and obviously every publisher is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. six months of waiting for basically one fifth of your money, you know, um, Yeah. And then the next portion, well, and you know, it goes to your agent first and maybe your agent only like my publisher only pays out on the last day of the month and your paperwork and your paperwork has to be in for that payment to go through by the 14th. So if you, if, if it comes in on the 16th, it won't go out until the last day of the next month. Then it goes, then it goes to your agent. My agent is overseas. So yes. And so then she has payouts that she does every other week. So if I don't miss it, then it's, so it just takes forever. It's not, even if it is good money, it's not anything you would want to rely on to like raise a family or anything. Um, but then again, that sucks that I have to just view it as bonus money because I'm working so hard every day for what bonus money? No, no, no. (laughs) So hence why I decided to, while I was waiting for deadlines and contracts and things with traditional to like bang out some books and make some money doing indie. So that is why I'm here. Is it working out? It's, I'm doing okay so far. I haven't, um, I haven't started advertising. I've just been putting books up. So I don't know what my numbers might be in six months when I finally start because you don't want to have that thing ads. where people are like, why doesn't she have a, the book out t- tomorrow? Because I just read it. <laughs> like I've heard, I've heard so many people complaining about how like they'll finish a book and they're like, it's coming out next month. I can't handle this. Oh my God. Which is insane. Like it's so stupid. That's already a breakneck speed, like a book a month. I can't that even is... do, I can't even do like two podcasts a month without yeah. like going, Oh, this is so much work it is it's so much work it's it's consistent work and like my mental state does not stay the same all the way through a book and so it's not like it's the same work every day like for me beginnings of books are way easier I can write the first 75% of a book in the same amount of time as it takes me to write the last 25% it's just very very difficult for me so I don't know it's it's tough emotionally and um and I'm putting a book every other week out and so yeah so I'm I am wanting to have a, a full series or a series and a half or something before I run any ads because I just thought if I'm going to lead people to the store, let's make sure there's plenty for them to buy while they're there, you know? Yeah. So it's it's going okay so far without any um, any ads. I'm not in four figures yet, but I'm in three figures, and that's pretty good. That's really pretty good. damn good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, considering there's no ads. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, I don't have three figures nope of- me neither yeah yeah <laughs> that's great well i it's, mean yeah before taxes right that's right yeah. oh god <laughs> we'll leave taxes we'll leave sorry not to rain on your parade <laughs> oh man now i'm left with just enough to fill up my gas tank <laughs> yay so, um can we talk about go myths? ahead can we talk about yes. myths to dispel about let's uh, do about both traditional and indie let's do yeah um I think a big myth that I still see talk um, with traditional, and, and this is a myth that I still see perpetuated on forums and online and on Facebook groups of indie authors talking about traditional publishing, is that it destroys your art. That, you know, you get put through this, like, ringer and this editor slashes your book apart. I just, I've never heard of anybody having that experience. And, um... And I have a very hands-on editor. I've had the same editor for all of my traditionally published stuff. She and I get along very, very well. Um, we're very close, and she has a very keen interest in my artistic rise. You know, like yeah. she, she's, yeah. she's very, well, she's like invested personally in invested. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. She loves me, and she loves my work. So, so she pushes me hard. Um, yeah. So, some more myths about traditional publishing. Yeah, um, they're not out to kill art. In fact, I think, um, I think if you want to write something weird and boundary pushing and have it find its readers. Mm-hmm. Um, traditional is the way to go. I, I just, 
I, I, that's what I think. Um, you can definitely do that in indie and, and, um, you won't have any gatekeepers, you know, stopping you or saying, what exactly is this? But you won't have built in readers who are ready and waiting for weird, like they just know how to market weird stuff. And Mm -hmm. so if you want to write something that is very odd and doesn't fit neatly into one spot. So would you say that there's no, uh, because I think that traditional publishing, you're considered a tastemaker, like yes. the traditional publishers are creating the taste. Are there tastemakers in indie in the same way? Oh yeah, I think so. I think there's... How how are they... How does that work? Like, I, I don't think I've ever really thought about that before. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, how um, are they discovered? Like, how do they put their work out in a way that says, hello, this is, this is the thing now without a marketer going out and saying, hi, everyone, this is the thing now right, because right. we're, you know, Simon and Schuster. Yes, and we can afford to do <laughs> Yeah, we, Simon and Schuester, we have decided now that fantasy is out and contemporary is back in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. That's, that's 2019. Um, <laughs> they've decided. And that's uh-huh. fine. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, all I can think of is um, an author, and I'm going to be very vague here because I don't want to um, out anybody or or anything, but um, there's a, a movie coming out later this year that is um, going to be popular, already is popular, and um, this author has already decided that she wants to gather a couple other people to write something similar and then all drop them at the same time. Like that's how you create taste in the indie community. And it might work. It might not. So it's a group. It's kind of like, it is, it can be, I think, um, well in this case it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, um, smart indie authors who want to be tastemakers, somebody said, you don't want to be, running up to the train as it's leaving the station, but you also don't want to be sitting on the train waiting for it to take off. You want to like get to the train right as it's right as it's about to leave and gently step up onto the train as it's taking off. That's how you Blowing hit the trend at the right time. Yes. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if you can, I mean, if you can look at larger cultural things that are happening, I mean, mountain men romance became hot right around the time of the revenant, you know? Ah, okay. So if you can look at things that are going to be coming up, and it's a gamble. It always is. It is for traditional publishers, too. It's a huge gamble. They have no idea what's going to hit and what isn't. But if you're a smart indie author, those are the types of things I think you look at. But then it it still is a cross between what you know and what you can bring to the book um, that's your specific, unique flavor and whatever's, you know, happening in the large world. It sounds like you have to be hooked into like multiple uh, avenues of media and not just the book world because you were saying The Revenant. And so there, there's an ability for an indie author to respond more quickly to the market. And so if there's a movie coming out, you can write a book within, yeah, you know, as soon as you see the preview mm-hmm. to come out at the same time. Yeah. And how amazing would that be <laughs> to like hit it at the right spot? Um yeah, and I, I think there's more room in indie to take chances on things that um, that might not work out because I think you can invest less of your time with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can test the – sort of test the waters in a different way that you can't really do with traditional. Sure. Um, um, more traditional – well, I'll, I'll tell you about some of the myths about indie that have been burst for me because – because I, so I started traditional publishing, I got my agent in 2013 and I signed a book deal in 2014. So I've been around for a while. Um, and for, mm-hmm. I, I should say too, in 2011 and 2012, I was working as a remote intern for um, a literary agent. I was doing slave labor for her uh, for free yeah. <laughs> because I could afford to. And I, and it was a nice, like, I don't know, it gave me a glimpse into the world. So that was around the time when indie was kind of getting, it, it had already been around for a while, but it was really becoming something we talked about a lot. And the talk around it was not great, at least not for traditional publishers. I had I had my own notions about it, about, um, about indie publishers being people who wanted to circumnavigate traditional because they couldn't make their way through it, or people who were embittered by the process, which... Now, on the other side, I'm like, you have every right to be, you should be embittered by the process and circumnavigate it because it's a broken system. Um, but I think, too, uh, in some of those big first um, waves of indie authors, there were a lot of writers or a lot of indie authors who 
were salesmen first and storytellers second and really wanted to have something to sell. And I, now that it's not quite as, I think the gold rush is over and I think we're left with a lot of people who genuinely love storytelling. And I, I actually don't work really hard and work their asses that. off. And yeah. I actually, I actually don't think it matters. I, it doesn't bother me because I know plenty of traditional authors who do not have their heart in storytelling, but are good at it and yeah. have made money doing it. Like, it just doesn't matter how people are making their money. And if it hurts people's feelings to know that their favorite book was written by somebody who doesn't even read books, well, grow up. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not everyone who designs a sweater is like. Wear sweaters. Wh- <laughs> I was going somewhere different with that, oh, okay. but uh, but uh, you win. <laughs> you win this round, yes. Corinne. <laughs> so some of the myths that I have um, like discovered are not true is this idea that indie authors do not care about quality or that their writing is subpar. They are not required to go through that gauntlet of editorial that traditional publishers are, um, but they have the chance to, and many of them do, you know, edit their stuff. It just costs more money. It does cost more money. Um, it's almost like, so I, I think for every writer, there's like a stage of your writing where you're going through like an apprenticeship, you know, like you're learning your craft and you're writing bad books and whatever. If you're, if you're on the traditional publishing track, maybe you don't show anybody those manuscripts or you don't send them out or you send them out knowing they're going to probably get rejected. Whereas indie, you just put them up anyway. Like it's like, yeah, you kind of like show, so the world can watch your progress, you know, and you might make some money Mm -hmm. and you might not. Um, But the idea that indie publishers are not editing their books, are not putting out quality books or are not caring about their craft, that's just not true. So so I think that's a myth that is just not true. And we can all point to traditional publishers published books that are not great either. So it's it's a yeah, stupid right. it's a stupid <laughs> argument to be made on either side because plus you just don't know. Like you have no idea what books have been edited and which ones you can't. Or which ones haven't been. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the only people who get upset about things like that are people who haven't realized that everything in life is very arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm I'm not talking about grammar because I think um there's a lot of programs like even Microsoft Word will correct a lot of your stuff nowadays. Yeah. And so I think um indie authors at the very least are getting proofreaders, which is great, but big developmental edits, like you can't you can't go through traditional publishing without that. They will break your book down. They will they will ask you to break your book down. And and for a good a good reason. It should be probably broken down. That's how you learn storytelling. That's how you improve your craft. You don't have to do that with indie. And it, it is a slight it's a different prog, um product in the end, but I think too the aims of traditional and indie well, this is where I can be an asshole cuz I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think indie authors right to market knowing that their books are going to be gobbled up like you know immediately yeah like candy like they're they're part of the binge culture you know they want to just like and and i think traditional authors are hoping that their books will be the ones that are like hugged tight to somebody's chest after they read it you know and like moved mountains evergreen yeah yeah and and Mm -hmm. gosh we just need both in the world like there's no there isn't we need both. We just do. And and most importantly, you will never be able to tell as a reader which one got all the editing and which one didn't. You have no idea what the author is capable of. I say that as somebody who wrote my debut, which won tons of literary awards, had starred reviews. I wrote it in 10 days. Like it just Congratulations. flowed out oh, of me. Man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I am a fast writer, but but then, you know, my other my third book, which was a slog and just, I could never quite get it right. Um, and I finally did, I labored over that thing. And like, no one cares about that book. Like, so you just never and know. Like I put so I much did. work into yeah. that. Like that yeah. book is my horcrux and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, then no one will find yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and you'll live forever. Yeah. So, so the whole like quality and editing and like production myths that are thrown about on either side are just stupid because it just doesn't matter and nobody notices and nobody cares. So let's just get back to telling stories. And if you want to spend four years working on your story, if you love it that much, then you should do it and you should make it the very best you can make it. And if you just want to write a story and get it out there and have it be fun and you don't care if like the emotional core is like 
symbolic or whatever. Like, who cares? Like, that's fine. I wish people could have seen the face you just made because it was it was like it was sloth golden. from the Goonies. Like, <laughs> totally. Can you make that face again and take a selfie and we'll use that? No, no, because she has a picture. secret identity. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Emily's the one doing all the work here, obviously. So the, don't I, worry. The, yeah. And the most <laughs> drinking. <laughs> So, like, how much of an investment do you put into uh, production on the indie side? Like, do you have an editor and a designer? And, like, what, you know, do you have special photo shoots for covers? Or do you buy, like, stock covers? Oh. What's what's the deal? What's the deal? So, um, my whole thing was that I just wanted to do this for as cheap as possible, um, Mm -hmm. which is fair. I think. I mean, and on a fast timeline and see what happens. Exactly. So right now I make my own covers. I pay $10 a month for Photoshop and I pay $10 a month for Shutterstock. I've literally never used Photoshop before. Um, yeah, so that's what I've done so far. I've made my own covers. I like looked up Photoshop tutorials. Who's that bearded guy? I don't, that's, I don't know. That's some like German bearded guy I found on Shutterstock. Actually, I found the photo first when I was just perusing through Shutterstock like you do. And like, that was what inspired the series. I was like, oh, oh. yeah, Baker's Dozen. That's obviously a reverse harem. 12 dicks. Yes. Baker's Dozen, 12 dicks and a lot of cookies. That's right. Well, and it's set in England. So not that, spotted dick. You're not going to do that. No. You're not going to like bring in. The, oh, okay, yeah. good, good. There will be no sex with the food. Is that what you're asking? Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. That's not. Okay. That's thanks. not my thing. That's, that's messy. I was like, wait, I started reading these books. And no, I'm no, like, no. I, I can't handle that. Plus like that. <laughs> I can't cross the streams. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much work too. Like you make this pie and then that's what you do to it. Yeah. No, that's so Well, I mean, I guess true. if you really want to, then it's mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, but I suppose. That is not my that is not my sub niche. That's not my fetish. No, no, no. It's not. <laughs> I want to eat the pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'll keep reading it then. Good. Um I <laughs> Yeah, no, it's safe. It's safe. Well, and no pressure. Okay. Read it. Yeah, just whatever. Um, second book just came out yesterday, I think. Um, I mean, the beard sold me on it. I oh, mean, yeah. do you like? I mean, okay, you. I was wondering if that would be like uh, polarizing. Oh no. well, my husband. Well, we're in the Pacific Northwest, and yes. basically, I, I actually the man the the man that you described sounds like a Pacific Northwest guy. Sounds and like I was like this sounds is... like my husband, who is a sounds Pacific... like my. Well, yeah, nice. Well, my husband is a Pacific Northwest guy, and he grows a hell of a be- of, a, of a beard. So that's uh-huh. the guy on the cover, though. Yeah. Looks like Corinne's boyfriend. He does look a lot like him. I so targeted you, so you perfectly. <laughs> I was like, is he leading a double life as like a stock photo oh model? Oh, I bet he could. Yeah, he Shit. might. You never yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. You could make like. We're going to Photoshop his face and her face onto the cover. Yay. And that's going to be like gonna our. That's, that that's going to be the. Since you, since you have a secret face, that's yeah. going to be our uh, episode. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect anyway so yeah. you found the stock photos yeah. you want to spend as little money as possible I do and like my covers need some work I need to like redo them I just did it based on what I saw um, which I think you can make your own covers if you have I don't think it's an artistic eye that you need that's what everybody always says oh if you have an artistic eye I think you have to it's more of an analytical eye if you can look at other books in your genre see what the elements are and then write those down so that you can recreate them, then you can do it. So mine will be tweaked in the next little while. I'm still new. I'm still learning. Um, as far as editing goes, I do edit my own stuff. I do. Um, and I, I think I found one typo, um, in one of the ones that's published. So I welcome anybody. If you find other typos, send me an email. <laughs> I'm happy to well, you can always hear about repost it. it. I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I can. Um, and I'm less concerned about typos than I am about, Oh, plot holes and character arcs and dialogue that doesn't make sense and jokes that fall flat and that sort of thing. Um, but I purposely started doing indie so that I could have an outlet for storytelling that was not quite as immersive as traditional. Like, I already tear my books apart with traditional. I don't want to do that with indie. So I shoot from the hip, really. I mean, it, it is sort of... and and. 
you know, I'll say, I don't think everybody can do that. I think that if you have experience writing and if you are an avid reader and consumer of stories and you have honed your storytelling instincts, then you could do it. Maybe. Yeah. So maybe yeah. <laughs> um, and if you want to, and if you yeah. want to, cause that's, all, that's what indie's all about. Just whatever you want, just do it. Um, it doesn't mean that you'll make a bunch of money because you still have to do what the market is asking. Um, but yeah. Uh, so just, and time, time is an investment. We forget to put dollars on time, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've invested yeah. a lot of time so far. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot of, uh, I'm hoping it will pay off. Karina oh, no, 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 that's okay. I just had a question about, uh, the fun levels between your traditional books and the indie books. Do you feel like you have more fun writing the indie books because there's so much more like freedom in the process? I mean, I don't know if my very first genre that I would, I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't know if I would choose to write reverse harem. I have come to really, really love it. And I chose it because Mm -hmm. I could see myself falling in love with it. And I do love it. I don't know how much I love shifters and paranormal. I don't know how long I'll stay doing that. And I don't know how much I love... I don't know if that I found my spot in romance yet. I'll say that. Uh-huh. I yeah, I do yeah. like Reverse Harem a lot. Like a mm-hmm. lot, a lot. I, I didn't think that I would, um, but I love what it does to your main character. I love how empowering it is. I love how it takes this metaphor of like who you are when different people are around and then like you can be all of them at the same time. <laughs> like it's just yeah, so exploring cool. all different aspects of a person's personality. Yeah, like it's actually right. a great formula and I can see it lasting a long time. Yeah. I, I just love it. And then I love the idea too of men who are willing to lay down their own egos to mm-hmm. be with you and share right. and share. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. let you have, yeah. I mean, that's like a metaphor for a woman's time and autonomy and body and all sorts of things that I think is just so it's it's fun to write um right a man a man who can handle you being into different things even if it isn't like another man it's just oh she wants to work on this right now she wants to go here right now she wants to be this kind of person Mm -hmm. like I don't know that's me being an armchair psychologist but like no I think that makes sense yeah Yeah. like there's taking the issue of like fidelity out of it it's just like giving someone the freedom to explore different parts of themselves yeah, and it requires, I think, a great deal of trust, too, which is just... Anyway, so it's it's super... It is fun. It's really fun. Um, I have made myself promise... I'm that, I'm that person who always has, like, a thousand irons in the fire, and, like, um, we're in my office now, and I have... Oh, you can't see it. I have a wall over there full of Post-its with all the books that I'm currently working on, and there's, like, a billion of them. I'm, I'm making myself stick with romance for six months. So as soon, as soon as June comes, I am allowed to explore other genres. And oh my God, I'm stacking up books already. I'm so excited. Are you looking at cozies? Or? No, not, not cozies. Um, I'm going to write archaeology thrillers. Oh, <laughs> Which, oh, like Da Vinci Code. Okay, yes, but less conspiracy theory and less, less Catholic. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. I... I am super nerdy and I'm super into artifacts and also archaeology ethics. And I am really excited to write about like people who steal from museums or people who steal dinosaur bones from Mongolia. And were you an anthropology major? No, I wasn't. I was I was a biology major for a while and then I was an English major and then I was a dropout because I got pregnant. <laughs> oh, OK. And because and I signed my book deal and I was like, eh. Yeah, yeah I, I think you made the right decision. I don't yeah, really I need so this. <laughs> no, but like I've always, I, I never wanted to study it academically. I don't know why. I think because I was so, I wanted to be a marine biologist for a really long time on top mm-hmm. of writing, you know, best-selling novels. Because uh, it's sure, a false construct that makes people think that they're going to make money and have a life and then it doesn't. Yeah, that was exactly probably. my thought. <laughs> that was literally it. I was like, I better major in something that will actually bring me money. Marine biology. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Maybe don't major in anything and just go make money instead. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> just go make Sorry, money. I have- <laughs> <laughs> I have teacher friends who will, will get mad at me for saying that, but okay. Anyway, no, it's it's very true. Um, so so archaeology, archaeology, thrillers. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that in a couple months. I'm a total wimp, and I don't know how many how like I don't know if the body count will be really high. Um, oh, so I don't think they'll be very gory, but they will be thrilling. 
in a word. Serious. Yeah. And then um, I also have this dragon Western cereal that I'm working on too. Oh, that um, sounds fun. Yeah. That I'll do just as like a side project that maybe will not make any money, but will at least be fun because it will be cowboys riding dragons. And I think that's, so I'm just going to play it straight. Okay. So we're about to ask the most important question. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm ready. So you said that the Baker's Dozen series yes. is uh, great for fans of the great British baking show. Oh, is and it? I would, that's what you said. Yes. What you said. I looked. I looked today, and that was I did your say statement. that. That was my claim. You brought this on yourself. Um, so, the most important question here is: Who is in your Great British Baking Show harem? Oh my god. <laughs> so, I'm going to choose three because three okay. is the minimum for a, a true harem. Oh, correct. Okay. Um, and this is in no particular order because you do not have to play favorites with a, a harem either. It's why choose. I did that well, that. okay. Corinne had to I because put them she's all in a order. That's okay. I, I understand. <laughs> um, and and this is so that I can have all the different flavors. You know. Yes. Because um, uh, it's baking. Yeah. Got oh, it. I get it. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say Tamal. I don't yes. know what season he is, but he is yummy. Uh-huh. Um, 2015, I think. Oh, okay. We were looking kind of earlier. Were you trying yeah, to get we it straight? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Selassie, although he's uh-huh. not really my type, but like on that show and then he has an accent, like, yes. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to say, and this is like wild card because I'm pretty sure he's gay. And so maybe uh-huh. he would not want to be part of my harem, but maybe I could convince him is Steven. Uh-huh. I'm dead. <laughs> so that's my, that's my harem, but I want to hear yours now. Okay. Right. Corinne, you go you first. You go first? Okay. Yeah. My first one is, I feel like this is pretty obvious and probably across the board, is Rob, right? Rob. Who's Rob? So he is. <laughs> um, I don't think it's that obvious. <laughs> it must in. not be obvious. Okay. Yeah. I think he was like way like in maybe the first season or something because the, the first, only yeah, time. The American. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but Netflix he, season. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he has uh, like dark curly hair and like really blue eyes. Like oh, Rob, yes. Hair. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Stripey yeah. button-ups yeah. usually, Pro- I think, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's on there. I also chose Tamal. Yes. I had Tamal, but I crossed him off because yeah. Corinne had That's Tamal right, because you're a good friend. Because <laughs> I'm a good friend. Um, and then uh, I had <laughs> I, feel, I would feel weird about him overlapping, actually, because at first we were like, oh, it would be okay. And then I was like... No, the boys share. The girls yeah. don't. <laughs> but it's nice to have somewhere for the men to go when you're busy yeah. with other things, though, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I would. We'd have to have a long talk about gotcha. it. Yeah, yeah. We don't have enough time. But it's possible. It okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Um, and then I chose James, who I think was like 21 when the show aired. Oh, my God. Well. But now he's 27. So I feel like that's kind of fair game. I mean, I'm 39. So, like, that's kind of fair game-ish. Um, For sure. And then, yeah. And then John. My last okay. one was Richard. Mainly because Richard he was the like, Richard yeah. with the pencil. Yes. <laughs> he's he was like so the cute. cutest dad. Yes. Right? He's that's the, exactly what I said. Yeah. It's like he seems like a really good dad, like a really stable, solid guy. Yes. Every so, year on your birthday, yeah. you would have a beautiful cake. Yeah. And he's no not question. afraid of decorating with pink. I remember no, that too. Totally not. Yeah, he was very good. And he had like daughters. two little yes. girls. Yeah. yeah. That is a so. good choice. Yeah, he's thank the you. Marion kind. Yeah, he, he is. is. My exactly. parents yeah. say <laughs> <laughs> there's something very like Bob Cratchit about him too, like in yeah. a cute way. <laughs> well, there is like he's just like governor. Yeah. you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay, that concludes my harem. Okay, Emily. <laughs> Let me hear yours. So my uh, Selassie. Yes. Uh, yes. Definitely. And um, Andrew. Oh, like, cute little ginger Andrew. Well, yes. so yes. So I looked up um, Andrew's Instagram, and apparently he and Selassie do a lot of like Facebook Live things together. Are you or, like, serious? Instagram. Yeah, they do shit together, <laughs> and they like. There's a picture of them with Andrew sitting in Selassie's knee, and they're dressed in like Christmas costumes. They went to some benefit together. Oh my god! And they have a like a buddy hashtag, and it's Selandrew. Salandrew. Oh my gosh, came right so in. So those two right are now. in my harem, like a hundred percent. And then I like Rob because I like a good teddy bear. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and he's the teddy bear guy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my problematic fave is <laughs> Paul Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's really hot. He is. Very Do you hot. see? Like you. I think he's like a gayer it's gross, Alec like Baldwin. In a gross way. In a gross. Oh, way. I can see Ew. that too. Alec <laughs> he reminds me of him. That's you just fair. ruined it That's for her. No, 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 yeah. no. You can't because it's st- it's so embarrassing. You can't ruin it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel weird about because he's really slimy, but like he is very handsome though. He is. Yeah. Like he's seems, traditionally handsome. well, he seems like the kind of guy that you're like, ooh, he's mean, and then you're like, he's not. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't say my husband because he's, yes, he's like <laughs> right, because he in our friend circle yeah. is the guy who bakes all the. Oh, cakes. nice. He's a huge baker. <gasps> oh, lucky and you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, if I left him off, my friends would get mad. Yes. Oh, yep. I'll add my yeah. husband too. He just got into baking bread, and it's amazing in here he was like who gets louie <laughs> <laughs> or what about the guy with the handlebar mustache the, oh the, yeah like gene? maybe yeah. no 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 i'm thinking gene parmesan gene oh. parmesan that's what i was thinking of too <laughs> all right so what would you like to plug i don't know what does that mean <laughs> You plug like well, promote like promote oh yeah. oh like my stuff okay sorry I don't I'm a professional I don't mean, I don't mean I... which <laughs> I'm not talking about what? romance terms. okay <laughs> I'm talking about what would you like to promote on the show oh my god um let's that's a different word that I'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> I would never ask you that question yeah. on the first interview <laughs> let's I'll plug since we just talked about baking like a mm-hmm. ton. Let's talk about I'll plug my unicorn books really quick. So um, that's going to be a five book series. Um, I'm I have two books out now. The third book's coming out in like a week or two, maybe. And what's the name of the series? So the series is called the Realm of Beauty series, and it is I basically wrote a, a reverse harem paranormal shifter series. That was exactly not to market because <laughs> I was really smart. This is the thing. Like my traditionally published brain like looks at any genre and is like, how can I make it my own? Like how can I carve out a little space for myself? But with indie, you don't want to do that. You want to replicate what's already happening. So I'm still learning how to do that. But I will say it is a very light, um, romantic, whimsical, nothing dark, nothing, no killing. It's very like um, safe read um about a girl who lives in minnesota who discovers that she is the lot the heir to this lost um kingdom in this like portal in the woods basically so she goes and they are unicorn shifters they used to all be warriors like a class of warriors um and then this big huge battle happened and they ran through on their horses through the moonlit waters and came out and they were fused with their horses and now they can shift back and forth it's way cooler than i'm making it sound um and and since then they have become um artists and creators instead of destroyers and so they all have like a special gift so there's lots of like painting and music and um and it's basically just her gathering her harem so from all of these different factions in her kingdom um and kind of coming into her own as a queen and trying to be she's kind of I'm trying really hard to make her very wise and very um, generous and very open and learning as a ruler. So she's not bratty. She's not, she's a lot more like, she's like Aragorn. Like I love the reluctant ruler trope. It's like my favorite. So she's very, she's happy to be there, but she's also kind of like, really me? Are you sure? So it's just kind of her following her arc. Um, and I'll probably come back and write other books in the series later this year, if it sells. Um, I have things mapped out and I was hearing Chris Fox talking about a flagship series, which is what you want to do in fantasy where you have like 20 books. It's set in a world and it's broken down into like four or five book series so that there's multiple entry points. So, which is a smart thing to do. And I really like this world and there's a lot more that I could do with it. So I, I might play around in it a little bit longer, but book one is called beyond the shine. The shine is like the shimmering lights above the water that, the portal is through so you jump through the shine all right we'll link it good awesome um yeah that's my plug 
All right. All right. We'll take care of that. Yeah. And, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so what, what are you reading? Um, I am reading right now a book called The Feather Thief. It's a nonfiction book. It's by Kirk Wallace Johnson. Something with three names. I don't know. Um, the Feather Thief. Not a serial killer. No, not a – well, <laughs> okay. isn't that the rule, though? As far if as we know. If you're white and you have three names, like, there's yeah. a 50-50 chance. Like David um, Foster Wallace. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I really she don't like him, him either. <laughs> That's okay. Or or maybe a preacher or something. Like yeah, or exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's a nonfiction about, um, I guess, the bir- birds of paradise, which were a species that used to be all over the Amazon, um, yeah. were hunted almost into extinction for for their feathers. And um, Marie Antoinette made it fashionable to wear feathers on your head. And so then, um, but I guess uh, there was... Uh, a bird of paradise stuffed inside the British History Museum. And I guess there was a heist in like 2007 or 2008 where a guy yeah. stole all of these bird specimens so that he could make fly ties with them and go fly fishing with these birds of feather. I, I <laughs> oh know, birds God. of paradise feathers. Isn't that that's like crazy. fucked up and wonderful? Yeah. So oh, that's fucking, I'm sorry. I, I love museum heists, yeah. especially with British museums where it's like, oh, these things belong to us. It's like, yeah. no, you stole them from all your colonies. Yeah. Like you deserve <laughs> to be heisted. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. I love all that shit. So yes, I love it. Um, so it's interesting. It's got heists and it's got um, uh, stuff about, about Darwin and his um, kind of counterpart, Alfred Russell Wallace, who, no, Wallace Russell? No, a- another guy with three names. Who yeah, also, Wallace yeah. is confusing everything right yeah, now. I know. I know. He, <laughs> it is too. he also came up with the theory of evolution right around the time that Darwin did. It's one of those, oh. like, rare... Um, that Carl Jung thing. What is the Carl Jung, Jung thing? Jung. Oh, the collective unconscious. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, it's like that, like... Jung. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, the same thing where, like, two different ideas – or the same ideas born at the same time scientifically in two different places. Anyway, it's fantastic. It's really good. So that's The Feather Thief. The Feather Thief. It's super nerdy if you're into it. That sounds very cool, though. No, that's something yeah. I would totally yeah. read. Yeah. I, um, I find myself, like, now that I'm writing so much more fiction than I was last year, I have a really hard time reading fiction right now. So, But I need to keep the well filled because I read, like, 100 books a year. So I'm just reaching for nonfiction like crazy. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Because yeah. I, and also it's like you don't have to analyze it in the same way. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, writing the things that you have made and ruined for me. <laughs> Corinne, what are you reading? Um, I think you know the answer to that question. Um, yeah, but I'm asking you anyway. Okay. Uh, I finally, well, okay, I'm thir- like 20 pages away from finishing The Road to Jonestown. You said you finished it. I thought I was going to finish last night and then I was just so tired. So I'm going right. to finish it by this weekend. But it, in my defense, it's like 460 pages long which I know you read in like three weeks. So kudos to you. Um, but anyway, <laughs> she's flipping me off right now. You can't see it, but she it has taken me like four months to read this book. And I am not a slow reader. I don't know what my problem is. She told me that I needed to be antagonistic and set deadlines yeah, for her. So does. I'm trying to, yes, no, then, you're doing a great okay. job. Okay. Anyway, I, but I, I'm almost, I don't know what you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm almost, but I'm also like at the stage now where it's like the massacre or the killing is happening. Well, maybe you don't even need to read that part. Yeah, you I don't just, feel like I do. Just because, like, to that's the last all like 10 pages. About. So yeah. everything before that was interesting. You don't and need now to read like, that. Well, yeah. So yeah, maybe just I'm read the last, let's like, say 10 I'm pa- done with it. I'm read done the, with the book. Read the last I finished 10 pages. it. All right. I'll leave. Re- how many pages? Like 10. 10? 5 pages. Read the last chapter. Read the last five pages. Okay. Okay. And then you'll be done. Yeah. Like, and then you don't I'm have done. to read everything. I know. Well, I'm like the same way though. Like I have to finish books that I start. Right. Even but if you I can, don't like But them. here's the thing. Here's yeah. the loophole with that is you uh-huh. can skip pages in between oh. where you already know what happens. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. That said, I am, <laughs> I, I'm between books. I'm reading your book right now. Um, I'm Ooh. reading the first Baker's Dozen book. and <laughs> all this talk about it. And um, I am reading Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex. Oh, just <laughs> some light reading. Just yeah. like. <laughs> and really depressing the hell out of myself. Yeah. I um, love her, though. She's oh, so. She's, she's amazing. So there's this line. I don't know if you've seen the movie Moonstruck with Sharon Nicholas Cage. I have. I have. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's that part where Olympia Dukakis is like, why do men chase women? I think it's because they fear death. 
And like, there is an entire chapter where she talks about men are afraid of women Mm -hmm. because women remind them that they're going to die with their like physical processes. And I was just like reading that whole thing and all I could think of Cosmo, (laughs) one day you're going to die just like everybody else. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm going to find something more fun to read soon. Um, I finally finished The Obelisk Gates, which, um, yeah, the uh, uh, second in the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. I love her. Isn't she I love her. Yeah, Uh, she's amazing. Oh. JT started reading the fifth season. Oh, yeah. And he just like, he was on a plane and Uh I picked him up from the airport and he's just like, I see why you like this. Mm. And I see why you like rocks now. (laughs) 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 I was like, well, I mean, you know, a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. 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 She's amazing. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Anything, anything else you'd like to talk about? I could talk with you ladies for hours, I'm sure. We could talk about all sorts of things. But no, I think we covered, I don't know. How do you feel like we did? I think we covered a lot. I I'm feel not, great. Good, yeah. good. I'm not yeah. an expert, but I hope I shared my take on things so far. I think you did great. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I, I learned a lot. I, I mean, it, it, yeah. like I knew a lot of the things that you were talking about too, but it all you phrased them in certain ways that it was just like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you know. Just yeah, having what are, that different spin on it. What are we all doing? Yeah, That's mostly my question. <laughs> okay, okay, What are we doing? Calm down. What am I doing? <laughs> Let's not get all Simone de Beauvoir here. Well, you're, you're, you're drinking alcohol. I'm drinking coffee. So That's a great mix. <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. Well, um, uh, Hybrid Pub Scout is uh, hybridpubscout.com. Yep. Twitter and Facebook at Hybrid Pub Scout. We're on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Please go give us a five-star review. Yes. Give us a fun review. A fun review. Yes. We live for fun. Yeah, just and we'll read it out on here and, you know, tell us who you are. Maybe we can give you a nickname. (gasps) That would be fun. People love having nicknames. Sure. I'll make them up. I'll do it. Corinne's really good at that. Yeah. 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 So, please. See, you should write reverse harem because you can give the guys each a nickname. Oh. I I can't argue with that. (laughs) I will think about it. I will think about it. I would love that. I love nicknames. All right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, thanks for giving a rip about books.